Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The FBI was, was misused uh, in 2016, uh, and this is an organization that is very, hmm. very important. This organization has been hit hard, and they need to uh, be rehabilitated. I think nothing splits the Democratic Party like the smell of pork. And so, you know, if I were the president, I would begin to build a list of terrific, important, needed, legitimate national security infrastructure investments. I don't think he gets enough credit for the tax cuts that have been historic and have unleashed the economy to where they are today. And we've now seen, because of those tax cuts, more people working in America today than ever have been working in our nation's history. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. It is a pleasure to be with you. And guess what? It's Monday. Yeah. So we're taking back off into this thing. We're firing off at faster than the speed of a sonic boom, I think. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to break the sound barrier here with a fantastic program that we have planned for you today. We're going to be speaking in just a few minutes up in the second segment of this hour to Corey Lewandowski. He's an author, former Trump campaign manager, and author of Trump's Enemies, How the Deep State is Undermining the Presidency. And he's going to be on the show to talk to us about news of the day, tons of different things going on, and he's going to join us. We also are going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Newt Gingrich was at this um, Sea Island Summit, and he gave some really interesting, it was a long-form interview, and I, I just picked out a little bit of choice audio for you, him talking about President Trump in 2020. It's a personal anecdote between him and the president at uh, one time they were interacting, and I thought it was fascinating because it's a peek into the way that the, the president's mind works and kind of the uh, overall attitude that he maintains. He's a kind of a jovial guy. He, he has a good time. A lot. And so uh, it's interesting to hear this firsthand tale from Newt Gingrich about that. So we're going to listen to that. And then we are going to talk about the migrant caravan. Uh, Actually, what's happening now is as time wears on and the people are settling in to the idea that they're not going to be able to get into America and wait it out at the house of a friend or a relative and maybe get married and have a baby so they can stay here. Uh, there's some new things developing, which is it's a kind of fatigue and malaise that is set in. And the people down there in that stadium are they're sick. They're, there's lice and there's the flu. And, and uh, you know, really, it's it's getting rough. And so the mayor of Tijuana had some interesting comments, which, again, remember, the mayor of Tijuana is a Mexican citizen. And so his comments are the kind of comments that you would say, well, I don't know, um, I I, he can't he can't possibly think that because the only people who don't want illegal immigrants here are racists and xenophobes and bigots. And the fact is, any group of people who are in a place where they do not belong, who are trying to force their way into a place where they have not yet received authorization to be, are going to experience pushback. And he was just so logical and common sense about it. And then we're also going to talk about Trump's $5 billion wall request. You'd be surprised to find out what percentage of the, nas- the, the entire federal budget that request comprises. And the reason this is important is because Democrats are saying they only have this amount of money available for the president's wall. And they keep pointing to fiscal responsibility and a waste of time and a waste of money. But they know that a permanent barrier, first of all, it'd be really hard for them to get rid of it. They'd have to spend money to demolish it. That's why they don't want it up. Number two, it's actually going to be effective when it's up. I, I believe it's going to happen. And so we're going to get into the spending, 
the actual percentage. We're going to compare it to a few other things. Uh, and so right now I want to go into our daily confession. It's Colossians 2, 1 through 5. So it's about strengthening our faith. So first, Colossians 2, 1 through 5 says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So my question for you today is, are you firmly rooted in Christ? Are you making sure that you're in a place where no one can snatch your belief and your faith away from you? And so we have a very interesting kind of intersection of culture right now with with faith, which is it's perfectly fine to be spiritual and to believe in crystals and to practice yoga moves and, you know, to home and do all of that stuff. It's perfectly fine to believe in the universe or to be a universalist and accept all ways and pathways of coming to God. And it's perfectly acceptable to believe that everyone goes to purgatory and whether you're horrible, if you're really horrible, you go to purgatory and you just keep going through it for an indeterminate amount of time. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're either determined to be worthy to go on up to heaven or you have to be eternally separated from heaven and you go down to some other place. Not exactly sure what. Maybe it's hell. We're not sure. And these types of kind of wishy-washy, marshmallow, you know, cotton ball views are used to lull people who really fire and damnation and the prospect of hell and eternal suffering. Those are real motivators. But the possibility of going to a place after you've been through purgatory a whole bunch of times. I mean, who couldn't make it through after a whole bunch of times? If that's the way it really is, then everyone is going to go through purgatory until they've learned their lesson and then they can go on up to heaven. So we don't want people to be deceived. We don't want people to hear these ear tickling, you know, smooth, as, as much as we all love hugs and pats on the back and, you know, being comforted, we don't want people to be lulled and comforted into a state where they would be deceived and lose their opportunity at eternal salvation. But first, before we worry about the beam in or the, the speck in our neighbor's eye, we have to address the beam in our own eye, which means do, how can you be an effective ambassador for Christ, discipling others into the kingdom if your faith is wishy-washy, if you only believe when things are going your way, if you only believe when God is answering your prayers in your prayer journal and you're checking stuff off and everything's slamming and jamming? What about when life takes that wrong turn and you're in the midst of the valley? Do you still believe? So we meet people like this all the time. I have people email me sometimes and they'll say, you know, you talk about at the, you know, at the end of your show on Friday, you say, get in the pew on Sunday, but I just can't go to church because people in church have harmed me. And sometimes the things that they describe are truly devastating, evil acts that people who attend church have perpetrated on their brother or sister in the Lord in, in a church setting. And sometimes it's just the kind of stuff that happens between friends, between buddies, between uh, family members, between siblings, which is people are going to people and they're rude and hateful towards you and you just, you've had enough and so you're out of there. But does that mean you should no longer attend church with 
the myriad options of church that you can find, so many churches, so many opportunities, so many different types of services, why wouldn't we continue to go? And that's because in that moment of hurt and questioning and trying to figure out why, why would God allow this? Well, it's not about allowing. Sin is here and we're living in it until the second coming, until God comes back and Jesus comes back and he's on this earth reigning and ruling for a thousand years from Jerusalem. Until then, we get no utopia. No matter who's promising it to you, no matter who says, put the, you know, burn these salts and these crystals, sniff these, you know, essential oils, you're, in, you're not getting utopia here as long as human beings are living here. And so we have to really, we have to be intentional about wanting to preserve and advance our walk with God. It's not accidental. It doesn't happen on its own. It's not like those Chia Pet things that you water once and it grows the hair. You don't have to do anything with it. You can't set your, your, you can't set your Christianity and forget it. You have to work at it. You have to cultivate it. You have to chase after it. Because if you're chasing it and working at it, then it will grow. Your faith walk will grow. And so uh, the Apostle Paul is constantly concerned with strengthening others so that people don't grow discouraged or be led astray by evil actions of, of people that we've trusted. And that's painful. It hurts when someone that you trust or called friend or closer than a friend, someone that you call brother, whether they're your relation or not, harms you. It hurts and it lasts a while. It stings and the memory of it can continue on with you until you feel like you can't take it anymore. But you can take all things in Christ and God is here to heal, not just the brokenhearted and, and to, to help those in poverty and to help the sick and to heal us. But he's also here to bind our wounds and help us get past these negative situations that might happen to us in, in any environment. So we have to strengthen ourselves against falling away from faith because we know other human beings are capable of hurting us and that they will. So you want to strengthen yourself. Each person must do personally everything that we can to ensure that we do not fall away. And we should also do what we can to help others in our sphere from not falling away. You got in Colossians 2, this divinely inspired Apostle Paul relating several things that are important to enabling stability in our faith walk. First of all, we have to have a full and valid understanding of Christ. Colossians 2.2 says that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. That's where assurance comes from. Full assurance refers to the conviction of truth, yielding confidence, trust, and faith. So when you have a clear and solid conviction for motivating faithfulness to Christ and trusting him in all aspects of your life, in all walks of life, that unshakable power operating within you will prevent you from going through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, illnesses, cancer, whatever, and falling away because of a wobbly faith. You, If you're assured and confident in your faith, then it can't be stripped away from you. But it's a constant everyday work. So understanding of life, what it's about, how it's worth, to have that disillusionment. The disillusionment is so key and necessary here. 
The disillusionment is what comes with adulthood. It, it comes with being married for, you know, in almost any length of time, really, from having children, from being in close proximity to others. For, for women, it's hanging out with other women. For men, it might be also hanging out with, with women. <laughs> you, what I'm saying is, all, all joking aside, that when we really interact with people and open ourselves up to the possibility of being hurt, that's when we become disillusioned and realize that there are no good people. There are just people on the walk with Jesus Christ working out their salvation. There are no perfect people who cannot lie or a paragon of virtue. These are these are like papering over the faults of individuals who've accomplished great things but are still people and flawed and sinful. Once we become disillusioned and we realize that just as capable of sin as I am, as is everyone else, and we put our expectations not in people, but in Jesus Christ, then we can move forward to being aware and having revealed to us the true knowledge of God's mystery. Things that we earn here on this earth, you know, 2018 Journalist of the Year from the Second Amendment Foundation, that is something I am so excited about. But that's a temporary designation that only exists and is only really important to people who care about the Second Amendment Foundation or people who are interested in me in some way. But the designation, true follower and disciple of Jesus Christ, that's something that will be rewarded in eternity and will last into eternity. And once we grab onto that and hold it for dear life and walk it out, that's when we'll have that unshakable faith that circumstances cannot rock because we are founded on the rock and the rock is Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to delve into the scriptures and pray that God would give you such an understanding that he would help you to distinguish between the truth and a lie, that you would be well approved and vastly and deeply and greatly studied of God's word, that you could recognize the counterfeits and that you would partake and, and ask the Lord to show you where, where your Bible study is. What, where, what's, where's your group of people that you need to connect with to go deeper into his word? And he'll show you. He'll send someone to you. He'll, he'll send a person right to you at the end of your service at church to say, hey, guess what? We're doing X Bible study on whatever day it is, and it's going to be exactly where it needs to be for your schedule. Trust him to do that for you. And let's continue to grow in Jesus Christ, our knowledge of him and our walk with him. I got the Christmas headbands on because it's December, and I'll be talking to you a little bit about my speaking engagement over the weekend, which I thought went pretty well. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Corey Lewandowski. Stay there. Here's Walker Wildman for Redeem Clean Laundry Products. Not only do you get a great product and you get to obviously clean your clothes, get the stains out and use the multi-surface cleaner to clean your countertops and use the dryer sheets. You're doing all of this and the money's going to support the work of American Family Association. Redeem Clean Laundry products were developed by AFA supporters Len Ingram and Jim Duncan to assist in funding the mission of the American Family Association. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made right here in the United States. The great thing about Redeem Clean is not only is the product great, but it goes to support a great cause, and that is the work of American Family Association. 
For clean laundry and a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Visit redeemclean.afastore.net. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Have you thought about this? How do others know that you belong to Christ? A lot of fraternities and secret societies have ways in which they can communicate to each other that they are part of the group. You know, a secret handshake, tattoos, even brands. These are signs and symbols that they cherish because they are marks of distinction. It shows that they're part of the group. As Christians, we have a mark too, something that distinguishes us. It's not meant to be private or hush-hush, quite the contrary. God has given us a mark and commanded us to make it public, make it loud. Listen to Jesus' declaration in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You see, it's not your bumper sticker or your what-would-Jesus-do paraphernalia that distinguishes you from the world. No, it's the more difficult thing. The sign and symbol that you follow Christ is the ability to love, to reach out beyond yourself, to live in dynamic community with people who are categorically different from you. If you think about it, Jesus calls us to do the impossible. That's God's signature over us. I can't say this strongly enough. The world will know that we're different and distinct because of the supernatural ability given to us by God to love one another. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Our ability to love one another and to live in community with each other, to get along with joy in our hearts, is a powerful testimony to a watching world that we belong to Jesus. More information about the ministry of Crawford Lorenz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here today. Find out more at Urban Family Talk, AFR.net, StacyOnTheRight.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find different content on each of those, and it's really a pleasure to have you subscribe to us and to be a part of what we're doing here. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Corey Lewandowski, former Trump campaign manager, author of Trump's Enemies, How the Deep State is Undermining the Presidency. Thank you so much for joining us today, Corey. Well, thank you for having me. You know, I have to tell you a story. So Earlier this year, I think it was February or March, I was at Trump Hotel in the restaurant upstairs and I was eating with a couple of friends, like, you know, political types. And you came in and you were seated, I think, with Grant Bossy. I'm not I'm not exactly sure because my memory fails just a smidge. But you were sitting there like literally I could have thrown um, my fork over there and, you know, pinged your table. I didn't come over and say hi because I know how it is when you're trying to get food and you're trying to eat and you have stuff to do. And sometimes it's just nice to be able to have a meal. But yes, we did actually eat at the same place back earlier this year, Corey. You should have come over and said hello. That's very disappointing that you didn't come by and say hi. I'm only mean like half the time. And I'm sure that was one of the good days. So you would have been fine. 
I know. And you know what? I, I thought about it and I said, I, maybe I should go over. And then I was like, no, no, I know how it is. Sometimes you just want to eat, you know? So I didn't. But next time I promise to come over and shake your hand. But I'm so glad to have you on the program today, especially to talk about your book. And so l- let's, let's, let's dig into this. How the Deep State is Undermining the Presidency. What a timely book for what we see now with Mueller. He's fizzled out. He can't find any collusion. So now he's just trying to trap people into saying that they said one thing on one day and another thing on another day so he can have something to show. Well, you're exactly right. And and what this book outlines is something that should be very scary for every American. It shows that the members of law enforcement at the highest levels, Jim Comey, Brennan, Clapper, Andy McCabe, the deputy director at the FBI, Strzok and Page, the lovers who work together at the FBI, they use their badges and their positions of influence to go out and spy on Americans because they didn't like their politics. That's what it came down to. They went to the FISA court. They, prevent, they provided an application to say, we want to spy on Carter Page. And the first time they did that, the judge actually stepped off the bench and called the second judge to review the application. And the second judge said, this sounds like they want to spy on Americans for political reasons, and they said you cannot uh, say yes to this application. And that's exactly what happened on the first application. So then the FBI went and they leaked a bunch of stories to the media, their friends in the media, classified information, which Comey has now admitted to leaking classified documents. He's admitted to leaking under oath, uh, to lying under oath to Congress. We know that Andy McCabe has been referred to for criminal referral, they went after Americans because they didn't like their politics. And in our book, we're the only book in the first two years that does a sit-down interview with President Donald Trump in the Oval Office. And we ask him very candidly, Mr. President, do you think Barack Obama knew of Crossfire Hurricane, the name given by the FBI to spy on Americans who were associated with Trump, or was was this just a Comey, Clapper, Brennan operation? And he said, I think Barack Obama knew, and if this would have happened to him, the mainstream media would have called it treason, and those people would be in jail for 100 years. But because it happened to Donald Trump and no one ever expected him to win, we were never supposed to find out about it, and that should be a very, very scary thing for Americans. All right, so I'm, I'm glad you wrote the book because we need this kind of investigative reporting, and I'm also glad that you sat down with the president. Now, Corey, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to start saying this because I, I have people on the show all the time, White House staffers all the way down to authors, everybody, you name it, really great people, and I have interviewed Eric Trump a couple times, but I've never interviewed the president, and I want to. 189 stations, 32 states, 800 communities. You should put. You should tell him, my friend Stacy. You should go on her show. Tell him. Don't don't forget. Look, if it were up to me, I'd have you on tomorrow. <laughs> and I'd have you sitting with the president tomorrow. And I, no, look, Stacy. This is a very important thing, and I'll tell you what. I, I'm very very serious about this. When you look at the interview that I did with the president, you know what his, one of his biggest gripes is? He doesn't get his messages. He doesn't get when media calls him and he wants to have a conversation. Bob Woodward wrote about this in his book. You know, he called all of these staff members to try and get an interview with the president, and they never gave him the message. And to me, that's a disservice to the president because, look, the president should at least know Stacy wants to interview me and here are her credentials, or Bob Woodward's working on a book and here's what he wants to talk to me about. And if he decides he doesn't want to speak to somebody, that's okay. That's his prerogative. That's fine. But to oh, primarily yeah. not give him the message because you're making the decision what's best or not best for him, I think is wrong. 
I do too. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. But I, I am glad that you were able to sit down with him. And you obviously, you have a relationship with him. You worked on the campaign. You were there during some of the, really, the times where everyone thought, this is not something that's actually going to come to anything. You were already there. You already knew it was going to be something and something huge. And now here we are two years in. My question for you, since you, you have done the investigative reporting, you have talked to these people, you've written the book, Corey, why are we seeing prosecutions for lying to Congress of uh, different individuals who were in Trump world, but we're not seeing someone like, say, James Comey being prosecuted for lying or Clapper? He actually lied. There's video that any person can find of him saying one thing, and then later we find out he knew at the time it wasn't true, but he said it anyway to Congress. Why do we only have prosecution on the right? These are, that's a great question of Ray Stacey, and look, I think part of it and part of the frustration that this president has had is that Jeff Sessions did not go and pursue the opportunities that most of the Americans believe existed when it related to people on the left lying or subverting uh, the truth. Right? We know that Jim Comey has lied to Congress because he's admitted it. We know that Jim Comey leaked classified information. He's admitted that in his own testimony. We know that Andy McCabe has been given a referral from the inspector general for lying under oath to the FBI on three separate occasions, but he hasn't been prosecuted. We also know that Huma Abedin and Cheryl Mills were given immunity by Peter Strzok, the lead investigator in the FBI email investigation. Why haven't these people been held accountable? And look, what we know is Jim Comey is going to testify on Friday. He tried to get this testimony to be in public so he yeah. could say that he can't answer classified information in that setting, and now he's going to testify under oath, and Jim Comey should be referred for criminal referral here. And look, lying to Congress is a crime, but it's, it seems to only be a crime if you're a conservative, because when That's you're a right. liberal or you're a Democrat, you get away with it. Loretta, not Loretta Lynch, uh, the, the woman from the IRS in Cleveland oh, who yeah, was yeah. clearly right, Learner. targeting conservatives still That's has a job. Bruce Orr, the number four person at the Justice Department who took the false dossier from his wife, Nellie, who worked for Fusion GPS, and handed it to Jim Comey, has never been prosecuted. This is the outrage of outrages. And I don't condone lying. If, if Michael Cohen lied to Congress, he should be held accountable. But that justice should be blind and should be equal across everybody. You know, I, Corey, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and if we look at the number of people, because Barack Obama loves to say he had a scandal-free administration, which we all know that's just another lie in the long series of lies that he has told. But we're not worried about him lying to the media or lying to the American people. We're talking about lies that amount to a felony, which is specifically to Congress. And you just laid out a few, a few individuals who I hope in the next, uh, you know, con or senatorial session starting in January, I hope when they get back that they will have more criminal referrals to the DOJ for prosecution for lying to them. But there, there's a another problem here, which is we have this cacophony of crazy going on. It's the media. Um, it's not like interviews like right here, right now. If I thought you were lying to me, I'd put the screws to you. I would ask you everything I could to try to exculpatory, you know, expose what what you're not telling the truth about. But on the left, which is CNN, MSNBC, and all of the regular alphabets on the local channels, they don't have that same kind of 
impetus, this desire to, to root out the truth. And so they will knowingly have someone on to lie and to propagate lies to the American people. And it's working. Suburban women voted for uh, the House to go to the Democrats after voting for President Trump to be put in office. So Facebook and Twitter and the, the regular media apparatus are working hard to propagandize the American people to get the result that they want. How do we push back? Your well, book is one way, but what else do we do? Well, well, let me tell you, Stacey, in the interview I asked the president, what is the biggest enemy of the American people? And you know what his answer is? Fake Media? news. Yes. It's 85 or 90 percent of the news, which is just completely false. And he says in the interview, he said, I don't mind a bad story if it's accurate. I'll take a bad story. But it's the stories that I have made up sources it's the reporters who stop reporting the news and wanting to make the news. It's now the individuals who all they care about is clickbait and getting individuals to go to their website and downloads because that's what this has become. And look, let me be clear. I am zero of a fan of Paul Manafort. I hope Paul goes to jail and stays in jail for a long, long time. Wow. But last week, there was a story that said Paul Manafort went to London to go to the Ecuadorian embassy to meet with Julian Assange is what The Guardian put out. And every left-wing station, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, they all ran the story cover to cover, wall to wall, without one shred of evidence. And look, I would think if you go to London and you've got a passport, it would get stamped. Someone at an embassy would recognize you. There'd be surveillance. There'd be video footage. There would be you know, a sign-in log somewhere. None of that evidence has ever proven to be true, but they ran a story without factually checking it just to say that the, the, whatever Paul supposedly had done with Julian Assange was going to continue the narrative on the fake Russia hoax. It's irresponsible, and that's a prime example of the fake news. It didn't happen, and believe me, I don't like Paul Manafort, but I don't think he should just be able to make up a story and run with it with no accountability. I agree, because one of the one of the things that people forget is that whatever you're gleefully, you know, kind of clapping your hands and getting excited over happening to your enemy could just as easily happen to you if it's unfair and unlawful. If someone's getting, you know, justice served to them because they're being prosecuted and they deserve it. Well, I don't want to stand in the way of that. But if someone is being unjustly smeared, because that's what that is. That's a smear. That's basically, well, we know he did this thing wrong. So now we're going to just blame him for anything we can come up with. And that should send chills down the spine of every American because we're all susceptible to someone saying, well, she's already in trouble for this, this and that. You know, we might as well ascribe that to her, too, because it's the Democrats. I, I call it scratch a scandal, find a Democrat. Everything they accuse anyone else of is usually something that they're guilty of and you can find documentable evidence of it. Well, that's right. Look, look at Hillary Clinton's chairman of her campaign, right? They went after Paul Manafort, again, not a friend of mine, for not registering as a foreign agent. Do you know who his business partner was in that transaction? One Mr. Podesta, who was the chairman of the Hillary Clinton campaign, who also, uh, or the brother of the chairman of the Hillary Clinton campaign, who also was unregistered, but there's been no criminal referral for him. He's not under investigation for this. It is a one-sided story. And what the American people should be afraid of is that these people at the highest levels of our law enforcement intelligence community who had badges, who used their power to spy on someone because they didn't like their politics, just think for one second, if George W. Bush was doing that, 
to Barack Obama when he was running for office. Mm. Think of the outcry. Think of the outrage. Racism, Corey, racism. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They would have they would have sent someone in with those FBI uh, vests, you know, the the bulletproof vests. And someone would have had a door kicked in like they did to uh, Cheryl Atkinson in the middle of the night. And she'd done nothing wrong. She was just a reporter. Look, Cheryl Atkinson and the reporter from Fox News that, you know, it's amazing Mm -hmm. what they've done to Cheryl. Right. And and when you. When you go to the left-wing media and you say, look what they've done to your colleagues, right? Cheryl is an award-winning, phenomenal journalist who you know, knows this topic very well. And your colleagues, look what's happened to them. They say, well, yeah, you know, we don't like it, but you know, I'm sure there was a reason. There was no reason to spy on some of these people, to listen in on their phone conversations. Journalists from major networks were having their phones listened to, their computers hacked, and nothing and no one's been held accountable for it. So at this point, we know, obviously, we don't control the House anymore. And the, the Democrats are planning on doing oversight. And I'm using my quote fingers when I say oversight. Oversight just means endless investigations and a whole lot of time wasting, which can work to uh, the president's favor. Because if they spend a lot of tax dollars and a lot of time kind of wasting the tax dollars and time of the American people, then that's not going to bode well for them in 2020. But we still control the Senate. So they can pass any bill they want. They can't get it through the Senate and the president won't sign it. So at this point, it's just going to be investigations and distractions. What do you see the president pushing forward, um, like primary things that he's going to be working on going into these last two years of his first term? Look, I'd love to see the president get two very important things, three important things done. One, he needs to build the wall on the southern border. It's a pledge he made during the campaign, and one he has to fall through so that we can continue to be a sovereign nation and protect mm-hmm. our borders. That's number one. Number two, I'd love to see a significant transportation and infrastructure spending bill done that reinvests into our own country so that we have safe roads and safe bridges, an up-to-date airport system, an up-to-date rail system, harbors that can actually take big ships, and we remain competitive in the global marketplace. That can only be done on a bipartisan level, uh, because it's good for urban districts and rural districts. It's good for cities and counties. It's good for everybody when we're making investments back into our country. And the third thing I'd like to see him do is whether it's through executive order or through a congressional action, making sure that you can buy health insurance across state lines. This is something that's so important. And while I know it's regulated at the state level, if I can live in a blue state or a red state and I want to go and buy health insurance, if I live in California and I can buy cheaper health insurance for my family in Oklahoma, if I can do it with car insurance, how come I can't do it with health insurance? And this is something that the American people deserve. I think it's the right thing to do. And it will stimulate the economy because it puts more money in people's pockets because they're saving. And people should have choices in health care so that the plan that you need fits you and your family and not something that some government bureaucrat in Washington determined you have to have. Well, you said it here first, Corey. I love your plans. They sound a lot like what the president has promised, and I hope he comes through on those. Corey Lewandowski, former Trump campaign manager, author of Trump's Enemies, and new friend of Stacey on the right. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Stacey. All right. Talk again soon. We'll be back with more right after this. Two thousand eighteen was the busiest year ever for eight days of hope. Steve Tiber. Over six thousand volunteers descended to Southeast Houston over a three-week period during Eight Days of Hope 14, 15, and 16, and helped over a thousand families rebuild their homes all in the name of Jesus. 
Also, Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina. We had volunteers, leaders, and equipment in New Bern, Fayetteville, and Wilmington. And then, of course, Hurricane Michael striking the panhandle of Florida. We were in Panama City Beach for five weeks, loving and serving families who had nowhere to turn. 2019 could even be busier as we plan to go back to some of these same communities to be a glimpse of who Jesus is by using the gifts he's given us to bless those who are looking for a glimmer of hope. Go to 8daysofhope.com, submit your email address, and we'll notify you of our plans in 2019. American Family Association is pleased to partner with 8 Days of Hope, and you can too. Learn more at 8daysofhope.com. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Bishop E.W. Jackson. We really need an awakening in this country. We need for the Spirit of God to pour out of not just from heaven, but out of you and me into the hearts and lives of people. You know, you're going to have to answer to God one day for the things that you do. That's the message that people need to understand. Understand. Tune in to The Awakening, weekday mornings at 9 Central on Urban Family Talk. You know that millions of children around the world will receive shoebox gifts this year through Operation Christmas Child. But it doesn't stop there. Many of these children will have an opportunity to go through a 12-lesson discipleship course, The Greatest Journey. Operation Christmas Child is able to train teachers, provide a New Testament, and all of the materials for only $6 per child. To learn more, go to SamaritansPurse.org OCC. That's SamaritansPurse.org OCC. The week ahead. Tuesday is Cookie Day. It was established in 1987 by a San Francisco-based cookie company. Chocolate chip, snickerdoodle, oatmeal raisin, just grab some and chow down. Google's CEO is back on the hot seat Wednesday. Sundar Pichai will take part in a House Judiciary Committee hearing regarding social media practices. High-ranking Republicans are concerned the company is biased against conservatives. Google has denied the claims. Thursday stays techie. The White House expected to hold a roundtable meeting with tech executives. The Trump administration will be discussing topics of innovation. CEOs of Google, Microsoft, Oracle, and more are expected to attend. December 7, 1941. And Friday, Americans will observe Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. A date which will live in infamy. Which honors the more than 2,000 Americans who died in the attack during World War II. And that's a look at the week ahead. I'm Jack Callahan, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. This person who says he's from Pueblos Sin Fronteras, he's saying that he's the one of the leaders of the caravan. Well, why don't the federal police say, hey, hey, come over here. <laughs> You're charged with the, um, putting people in, in risk. Let's take care of them in a legally way. Get yourself back to work. Do things right. If you were elected or you're imposed by someone, well, do what they expect to do from you. From you. It's a problem he must solve as soon as it, he gets into office. Ooh, welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here and thank you for uh, spending time with us here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Uh, it's it's our joy and our pleasure and our, our just the best thing we can do uh, to put on programming here on on the airwaves and hopefully prayerfully to glorify God with uh, everything that we're doing here. So uh, happy Monday to you. It's a great start to the week. The weather was so fine over the weekend and it was such an exciting kind of like 
because it was warm, we got leaves done and I, I got started on the Christmas stuff. And, uh, you know, I just love this time of year. That's why I do the 25 days of headbands. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you have to go on my Instagram and scroll back a little bit and you'll see that for the past few years since I've been doing radio, I wear Christmas headbands. And when I started doing it, the kids were a little smaller and they were still in their, you know, kind of preteen, early teen years where everything I did was cool. Now they're a little horrified and mortified by the fact that I wear these headbands out in public, but I do. I wear them out and about when I'm out doing my thing. And what I found over the past four or five years that I've been doing it is that a lot of other people really just need the, the, to see someone else doing it so they can do it too. In other words, you know, just kind of open the door, give permission. And I've seen other women out wearing them. Like if I forget mine or if I'm one of the, with one of the kids and they're like, please don't wear that. So I'll leave it off. And then I'll see other women walking around with them on. And here's why it's important. Jesus is the reason for the season. And... We're meant to enjoy this time of year. We're meant to be gratefully and prayerfully thankful to God for the gift of his son on the cross for us. And so the headbands are just one way to celebrate that. It's also a way to say it's Christmas time. No offense to anybody else who celebrates holidays during this time of year, but there's only one reason in the, in the United States of America why we take two weeks off from work and why we put up, you know, pine trees and different kinds of different variations of evergreen trees. The only reason why we put wreaths up, the reason why red becomes such a prominent color, the reason why we celebrate this time of year. And we all know Jesus Christ wasn't actually born in America's calendar year of December. But the reason why we celebrate is because we want to take time off to give gifts to others, to symbolize our recognition of the gift that was given to us, the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sins and that the birth that that was precipitated by the birth of God coming into flesh so that he could experience all that we experience so he could take our sins upon him which we'll celebrate that in Easter but this is for Christ's birth and so hey it's time for headbands and I got some new ones so I'm mixing the new ones in with the old so you'll be seeing them if you look at my Instagram or if you watch any of the live streams you'll see the headbands and it's going to be super fun and if you see me out and about in West County and I have on the headband say hi I'd love to say hi. Sometimes I do that. We have a picture and it goes up on Instagram of me and someone else who sometimes is wearing a headband too. <laughs> so, all right. So I told you guys that I would be speaking to, um, I actually got it wrong. I said that I'd spoken to this group before. It is a lot of the same people, but a different group. I spoke to the Illinois, it's St. Clair County uh, Pachyderms a few years ago, maybe three years ago. And I was their keynote speaker and they had a huge, huge, huge number of people. I think it was probably close to 200 people who attended that event. This event was a tad bit smaller, but still just as impactful. This was the St. Clair County, Illinois GOP Christmas party. And I was the keynote speaker and it was one of my longer speeches. Um, I I usually only speak for this length of time to pro-life groups. But this time, I really had what I felt like was a good message, and it was very well received by the people who heard it. Um, And we're talking about the noise that the media makes that distracts us away from our true calling, which is to share the gospel and to live out our Christianity in ways that are sweet aroma to those around us, drawing others in, and to not behave as if we're defeated. We have to live as if we're victorious because we are. Not these temporal circumstances that we can see, because right now it's totally overcast and like 30 degrees outside here in, in St. Louis. But in that's the natural. 
the reality of the situation is this is winter and it too will pass. And sooner, sooner rather than later, I'll be looking out and it'll be blazing saddles. And, you know, 95 feels like 105 here in St. Louis with our humidity. And so, you know, this too shall pass. We have to remember the long game. And the long game is we're trying to win souls for Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. And if we're not trying to do that, then what are we doing? So uh, what we heard coming in from the break just then was the mayor of Tawana speaking about how the migrant caravan organizers are the real criminals and should be arrested. And he named off the group that they are uh, fronteras, something or other. These people, a lot of them are Americans. So they leave America and they go down to Honduras and El Salvador and they incite these people to caravan up to our southern border to try to attack it. They should be arrested. They're they're inciting illegal activity. But we're too busy prosecuting Paul Manafort for, you know, not saying I three times in the second conversation with Mueller like he did the first time with Mueller. And again, I'll echo Corey Lewandowski. I got no love for Mueller. I, I don't know him. I don't have any reason to be in support of him or not in support of him. My problem is why are we still interviewing him and Corsi and these other guys just because they have some affiliation with Donald Trump? It's madness. So. Now I want to talk about this $5 billion border wall request. So first off, call lines are open. Last segment of the first hour, we have um, 866-963-2037 for you to call. 866-963-2037. You can call that number and we can talk about anything you'd like. Um, but I want to get into just this, this to me, it's a great piece of information for us to kind of chew on, especially if... You have someone in your life who's like, you know, $5 billion. You're always talking about controlling the budget. What a waste. Well, is it a waste? President Donald Trump has asked for $5 billion, which would bring the total amount of money that he would have had to go towards the wall to just under $8 billion because he has currently an authorization for a billion and a half. So in two years, that's $3 billion. So $5 billion more would make $8 billion. Remember, the cost of the wall is $26 billion. So, and, and we're talking about wall completion. We do have some wall. We have some functional wall. We have some non-functional wall and we have some fencing to make all of it that can be fenced or walled, I should say, all of it that can be properly barriered to create that barrier in the places that it needs to be on the remaining 900 and some odd miles takes another $26 billion. Now we're only talking about the 5 billion. Okay. So guys, I'm going to be clear what we're talking about here. So the president has said, I need an additional $5 billion in this next budget authorization, which includes the Department of Homeland Security, and that is why he's tying this request to this particular funding authorization. So according to the monthly Treasury statement for October, the Office of Management and Budget, OMB, has estimated that the federal government will spend a total of, let me make sure I get this number right, y'all, four trillion five hundred nine billion six hundred forty one million U.S. dollars hard backs green dollars in fiscal year 2019 which started October 1st President Trump is now asking Congress to approve five billion in the fiscal 2019 Department of Homeland Security appropriation to fund the border wall okay so the five billion would equal 0.11% of the anticipated total federal spending of, I'll say it one more time, see if I can get it right a second time, $4,509,641,000,000 
U.S. dollars. I'm not kidding you. We're talking about 200 miles of new barriers to fill critical gaps. So it's not like he's starting at one end because what he'd like to do is start at one end where there's functional wall and just go all the way across if he had the full authorization and get the whole thing done in like 12 to 18 months, right? And it could be done. For $26 billion, he could get the whole thing done in 12 to 18 months and we'd never have to talk about it again except ongoing maintenance, which would probably be built into uh, the Department of Homeland Security's budget. But instead of being able to do that, what they're doing is they're going through and they're finding areas where there's literally, you know, the crowd control barrier that's made of concrete that they'll bring them in on flatbed trucks and they'll put them up when there's a concert or if it's the 4th of July and you have a big event downtown, they'll put the concrete barriers up. And those barriers are to prevent cars from barreling into groups of people, you know, drunks, whatever, and also to prevent people who are distracted drivers from accidentally clipping pedestrians. The pedestrians walk on the inside. That's like almost a Fußgänger zone, which is what I'm used to calling it because I grew up in Germany, but a walking area. And the rest of it is for vehicles. What we have in certain sections of our U.S. border with Mexico are these concrete barriers. Some of them are a little taller than what we're used to, but in, in essence, they're essentially crowd control barriers that are meant to keep cars from driving through. So what illegal immigrants do is they drive right up to that barrier, drop off hordes of illegal immigrants who then grab their backpacks and their bags and their drugs and their children and whatever else they're smuggling in here. And then they just walk across and then they're in America. And once their feet are in America, they now have this requirement that they're given due process and they need to be assigned an immigration attorney and they need to be treated like a pseudo American citizen. Meanwhile, they get their detainer if they're even stopped by border security. And then they head on into the interior of the country and start working and they get an apartment. First, they live with friends. First, they live with relatives. Then they get an apartment. Then they've got an apartment. They get their kids enrolled in school because all kids have to be educated in this country, legal or illegal. And then before you know it, someone's told them, oh, your child was hungry this morning. Do you know you can get SNAP? You can get SNAP for your child. So they get a food stamp card. And now they're here to stay. 20 years later, they'll be the ones that NBC News is you know, chronicling. And this is Manuel so-and-so. And he, you know, traveled here illegally. It's true. And brought his children here illegally. They're dreamers. But he and his wife, the wife is an American citizen. She has a child. And that is his child. And now U.S. Customs and Border Enforcement want to break up this family by deporting him. He's lived for here for 30 years. That's the story. And I know, I know it's, here's the thing. I know it's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that I can know that that's the story and have no sympathy for it, but that's exactly what you just heard. It's not that I don't like people or that I hate people. I'm not afraid of people. I'm absolutely convinced, and I believe you know the, the words are on the page, if you can read the words, and that those words are U.S. law. I'm referring to U.S. law here, not people's feelings, not editorials and newspapers, that it is wrong, it is a felony to enter the country illegally, and it is also wrong to defraud the American taxpayers out of billions of dollars a year so that you can live here instead of living in your own home country and improving that. And I don't care if you've experienced racism or sexism. I don't care if, if you have you know, noticed that some Americans are racist. Yeah, that's true. And a whole bunch more Americans are not racist and absolutely have every right to expect that laws that apply to us would apply to people who want to be here in this country illegally. And so this isn't about 
feelings. It's not about what makes people feel bad or good. It's about the fact that, first of all, we're all being robbed. All U.S. taxpayers are being robbed by illegal immigrants who are here using our, our health care system, using the emergency rooms. They're driving up the cost of health care. They're here taking benefits from the federal government that are taxpayer funded. They're here taking jobs from Americans. They're here taking slots in public schools. They're here increasing the cost of public education because English as a second language has to be taught to their children. And an ESL teacher has a starting pay that is well above a starting pay grade for a regular teacher coming out with a bachelor's degree in early childhood education or, you know, secondary education. It's, it's not even close. And we're bearing the burden for all of this while simultaneously we pay for everything and then we get called xenophobes and you know, we, we hate people who aren't like ourselves. We hate people with brown skin. Why well, brown skin? I'm not hating anyone. So there is no article that I can find that's rooted in facts and figures and information that supports illegal immigration from a position where it's a fiscally sound concept or it's a morally sound concept or it's something that we should do because it's the right thing to do. There are plenty of personal reasons why people think we should have illegal immigration or why we shouldn't have a border. There are plenty of nonsensical reasons why we should just let people do whatever they want because we're rich and we're America and we can afford it. All of those things may sound good and tickle your ears, but they bounce right off me like rubber balls that kids play with outside on the blacktop. I don't hear it. I don't receive it. It's not the truth. It's garbage, actually. And it's not even the kind of thinking that when you follow it through to its natural conclusion, you can find a nugget in it that you're like, well, you know what? I'll give you that. I can give you anything on illegal immigration. There is no benefit to it. I don't care how many strawberries you say need to be picked. I don't care how many farm jobs you say no one in America will do. You are wrong. You are promoting lawlessness. You're promoting sex trafficking. You're promoting the robbing, the thievery of the American people. The U.S. Census confirms that 63% of non-citizens are on welfare, amounting to 4.6 million households. I have so much information on this. I should be getting paid by the paper companies. I should buy stock. All the stuff I printed out that shows that illegal immigration is a terrible pox on our nation. Don't try to convince me otherwise. You're wasting your time. That's the music. We'll be... Up next with OneNewsNow.com news and information.